You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Welcome. What is this place? Never, never happened. We're going to bring ghosts from all over the world. Join us. The children are screaming. And we guarantee them creaky doors and creaky floors. Be sure to bring your death certificate. Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Grab your happiest scary thought and fly away with us to Neverland one last time here in October where it's not quite our happy refuge anymore because it's been downright spooky this year. Wouldn't you say, Lost Boy Eric? Yes, it has been. I've almost been non-existent. <laughs> You've been like a ghost in the room. We don't see you. And we he- we have heard you, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All the news that was fit to be news last week. And so it's, yay, look, we're both on at the same time. <laughs> yay. <laughs> well, you know, I... I... Well, I just had to go through a couple of different doors to get here, but here I am. A few wrong doors, perhaps. Uh, perhaps, you know, odd, oddly shaped doors. Yep, oddly shaped doors. Yeah, we have a few of those. Uh, but it's, it might happen quite a few times until December when I graduate and I don't have so many extra bonus projects to work on. So things are going to get to some sort of normal eventually. Well, as close to normal as we possibly get. <laughs> Let's face it, we're not exactly normal, are we? It's not exactly a normal world. Never. He never gets that normal around here. <laughs> <laughs> of course, hopefully you caught that 1989 Batman reference. I knew what I was doing, at least. <laughs> it was funny <laughs> for me. Okay, okay. Yeah, somebody, I thought it was... You know, I did actually have somebody say that they thought the show was funny. So, all right, there we go. <laughs> oh, good. good. So, technically, we are funny. So We're doing even, something right then. Yeah, I suppose. But oh, this weekend we got all kinds of stuff to do right. In fact, we're going to give you some real nightmares before Christmas here. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, because it's it's fun to be scary right before we get happy, I suppose. Well, as long as uh, you know we get everything uh, lock, shock, and barrel all the way up. Yeah, well, and we'll we'll do the boogie when it's all over. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Can we make any more bad jokes? I'm feeling a bit oogie. Well, I know you've been feeling a bit oogie today, too. Yeah, been a bit oogie, ate something I probably shouldn't have. I don't know what it was. It was either the bacon or the coffee. But I am back, and I'm feeling much better after some applesauce. Homemade applesauce. Have you ever had, like, some nice homemade applesauce? Oh, yeah, my grandmother made it. Well, I never had... I don't think... Heather has done, like, these cinnamon apple slices she likes to make that are really good. But uh, mm-hmm. I thought I thought applesauce, she was going to have to put the apples in the blender or something. But, no, I guess you just... You cook them... Uh, and they'll fall apart into a nice sauce. If you have the right type of apple, these were some Granny Smiths. Uh, so she mm-hmm. mixed in like some sweetener and a lot of cinnamon and everything. And uh, it actually made my tummy feel better eating some of that. But oh, it's really good. And this, I, that's one of the things that's great about fall is all the apples and pumpkin spices up to your ears. So. <laughs> yeah, and all I can think about now is Johnny Appleseed and how he pronounced applesass. That's right. Oh, I haven't, I haven't watched that this year. I'm going to have to pull that one out and watch it. I love that. Well, there one. you go. That is a that's you know that's something that Philip likes to show even to his church. They will have an apple fest, and mm-hmm. I missed out because where was I? I think I was one of the, I, I'm so I don't even know where I am half the time. I'm so busy with things. So well, you know I, that's well, he, Johnny Appleseed's not the only character that gets lost in trees with anything that might be Halloween related. Um, I don't know if I'm catching the reference. 
Well, you know, uh, wandering through a forest of trees, you know, finding something unique and interesting within those trees. Hmm. Gee, I I can't think of anything that has to do with our show today. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) But uh, so you and I have both been playing the Spider-Man game on the PS4. Yes, yes. We've both hit our platinum now. Yeah, you finally got platinum. Well, see, I, I think I'd played it a little differently because you had mentioned you were just now getting some of your gadgets unlocked. Uh, I wasn't really using the the suits, when I was, so I wasn't that worried about unlocking them all. And I went after all my gadgets, uh, which I now, as of today, have all the upgrades on my gadgets complete. Uh, but so I oh, was good. focusing all those tokens on the gadgets and I wasn't really paying attention to the suits because I wasn't really wearing them because I just love the classic Spider-Man look. And after I got that Web Blossom, <laughs> I was happy. I didn't need anything else. That Web <laughs> Blossom's awesome. Mm-hmm. It certainly is. I've been using it quite a bit the last day or two. <laughs> yeah, especially I love the fact that it's the last Starfighter reference. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't get it, look up Death Blossom, okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so you've been playing through the Ultimate Plus, trying to get those last two trophies with the New Game Plus and being on an Ultimate. How Actually, far I got... I, I, I had those within a day of uh, starting New Game Plus. I I just played through the story mode uh, with the New Game Plus on the ultimate difficulty, and I got through it. Um, awesome. It was, took a bit of doing, but I had it within two days. <laughs> well, I don't know if I have enough time to finish it in two days, but I'll certainly give it a try. <laughs> well, again, that's that's just the story. Right. That's not, not chasing this. any pigeons. That's not looking for... Uh, any stealth uh, attacks, that's not doing any of the uh, Osborne research stations. That's just strictly going from story to story to story to story all the way through. I think I'm going to try to do that because I've just launched it because I have finished the first of three episodes of downloadable content and actually have all those trophies from the downloadable content now, too. Mm-hmm. Which I don't want to spoil anything for you, so I'm not going to mention uh, some of the story. But oh, it was good, and it, le- it leaves on the heck of a cliffhanger. And now I have to wait until like November or something, late November, to okay. get the next part. Well, but, I hear that the the next part is uh, headed to some interesting, uh, or at least one interesting new character. Oh, but he's popped up in this first one. We don't really get to see him except for maybe a photograph. He does put an appearance at the very end, but uh, oh yeah, we're, we're, he's head and shoulders above other criminals. Well, don't hammer the point home. <laughs> yeah. What did hammer me, though, is I was down in a subway tunnel uh, picking up uh, an item. One of the collectibles in this is you're, you're finding all these stolen paintings that were hidden away by the original black cat, Walter Hardy. And I had grabbed one of the mm. paintings, and I started running along the tracks, and when I watch back to the video that I have saved and I'll put it up to YouTube, I can see the train was coming. But when I was playing, I was looking up for a ledge to go onto so I could be on my merry way. By the time I uh, started dashing forward, I suddenly realized there was a train coming right at me and whammo! <laughs> hmm. So that's going to go up on YouTube with a collection of game fails where I've seen some really comical things happen. Uh, I even had a, a car I was I was stopping turned right into a crowd of people who did not scatter in front of the car. In fact, the car kind of went through them, and that's pretty funny. But I've had some weird things happen like that, and then, of course, now me getting hit by a train, which I actually laughed hysterically at my own screw-up there. <laughs> you know, and, and to be honest, I've been seeing a, a few bugs as I've been playing the new game plus mode. 
but uh, still it's nothing to keep me from really enjoying the game you know but from what you're sounding it it sounds like we get to go underground a bit uh, with this new content oh for just a second and there, there is some hmm. time actually underground you do get to chase a train at one point if you've seen some of the trailers of uh, the downloadable content there is a bit of a subway chase with black cat uh, so where is uh, there's some time this is one of those uh, where I got hit though was where there's kind of a part of the above ground and there's just that little bit of tunnel every once in a while oh, and yeah, I yeah, yeah. grab the thing and I was actually you know well I mean ground level was above me but I was in open air so I was just looking for a way to whip myself back into the air when I found the train and that was that was funny and when the train found you you mean uh, yeah <laughs> I knew where I was I just didn't realize the train was there <laughs> And, you know, Spider-Man has done all this effort to stop trains, and even in the game, and in, of course, in some movies, we see him saving the riders, but this time, the train just wouldn't stop for me. Mm. So, But I did notice, because I was wondering if maybe there was a hidden achievement somewhere for watching the credits. So I let, went ahead, mm-hmm. and when it gives you the option to skip when it, after it's, it does a really cool, at the end of the main story, you know, those really cool credits, and then it goes into some straight black oh, yeah. screen scrolling credits. But I went ahead, instead of holding down circle to skip, I thought, well, let's just roll these credits. So I got to looking, and I wanted to know who the voices was, and I recognized the name Josh Keaton, and he's voice of the Shocker. Now, that's kind of interesting. You want to know why? Why? Josh Keaton was the voice of Peter Parker Spider-Man on the Spectacular Spider-Man. Spectacular, Spectacular Spider-Man. And he did a good job as Spider-Man, and I did not even recognize him as Shocker. Oh, wow. But I, I like that they've done that with some Spider-Man games. Uh, the previous developers that were making some games actually grabbed some of the voices from the, that Spider-Man Unlimited series and even mm-hmm. had the voice of Spider-Man and his amazing friends pop in. Uh, and I, I really just love that. It's almost like a little tribute for all of us who've watched these cartoon Spider-Mans. And I, I really like that. So it's kind of neat nice to see stuck in there. Yeah, it was yeah. a great Easter egg, and it was pretty hidden. So, because in, in, in a way, it was just him doing a job, but it also, I'm sure somebody was like, oh, that's right, you were Spider Man and Spectacular Spider Man. We have to put you in the game somewhere. So, that so was pretty cool. just gotten Greg Wiseman in the game. Oh, that would have been pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> let, him, let him write a segment or something. I don't know. Or at the very least, uh, you know, get uh, Goliath and Brooklyn and uh, a couple yeah. of other. Uh, Extra things there into Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, because you know you, they could have hit just hit some gargoyles around. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Make the gargoyles part of the Marvel <laughs> universe. That would be uh, kind of an awesome thing, wouldn't it? I would. Boy, that'd be. You know, if there's any time for it, now's the time. Exactly, because they, they'd fit right in. That would be really cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right, Disney Marvel, make it happen. We want gargoyles in the MCU. So, but uh, something struck me kind of funny this week, or strange, interesting. So. All right, so Disney and some of their owned areas here lately, uh, they somebody acts up and they are fired from what they're doing. I mean, we were talking Roseanne made a, a joke that, that was kind of improper. We'll just put it like that. Uh, James mm-hmm. Gunn making also, he was trying to be funny and shocking. It was pretty improper. Uh, Chuck Wendig, who was just flat out being insulting and improper. And yet they still have Sarah Silverman. Now, if you've ever seen any clips of her uh, stand-up comedy, my quote fingers are up, it's... It's basically very extremely foul. I mean, it is. It's mm-hmm. it's bad. And so, but yet, despite her having that image of being uh, uh, some extreme type of comedy, I guess you. I, I, I hesitate to use the word comedy, frankly. Uh, she's still allowed to be a character for Disney, and I always I find that interesting. 
I mean, I don't know what she does on Twitter. I guess that's the the melting spot right there is if you do it on Twitter. But I'm sure she's tried to put some of her 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 type of joke on Twitter at some point. And I just I mean, that's the thought that occurred to me this week that she's still the voice of mm-hmm. Vanellope, despite you know, I, it, frankly, I mean. A lot of actors, you, uh, I've heard of parents that they went like, "Oh, this, this is the actor who is this character, this beloved Disney character." Uh, would you, if you had, you have children, if Sarah Silverman walked around, would you even think to say, "Oh, yeah, there's Vanellope over there"? Not really, not yeah. really, because uh, yeah, the the type of humor uh, that she engages in outside of this one role is really not something that I appreciate or or that I'm interested in. You know, but that that's kind of uh, interesting considering, you know, one bit of news that we've got coming up a little bit later as well for somebody who's, you know, yeah, allegedly <laughs> engaged in some un-Disney behavior. But uh, we'll talk about that individual uh, a little bit later on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's time for some fun. So uh, let's let's dive into a little bit of the news. the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Alrighty. You know, this is the night, and, and it's a beautiful night, and, and we call it Bella Note. I mean, look at, the, look at the stars. <laughs> look at the skies. They have stars in their eyes. It's a and lovely it, Bella Note. Yeah, especially when it's Christmas time. <laughs> So, so what I'm actually talking about is during Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, uh, the the Tony's area, which I guess I think the restaurant is just called Tony's, uh, mm-hmm. but they're going to have some special stuff going on for Christmas over there during the Mickey's Christmas Party. Looks like they've got some really tasty stuff going on over there. Of course, it's Tony's. In fact, if you want a plate of spaghetti to share with your wife, just get a good picture. Well, you know, I'll get a little bit of spaghetti sauce on my nose. Kind of, uh, and she can lick it off <laughs> right off your nose. <laughs> hey, 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 I didn't, I didn't think this was turning into that kind of a show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't lick noses around here. <laughs> but uh, so this actually is going to start around like 9.30 p.m. during the Mickey's Christmas party. And you can pop in and out and try all these different hors d'oeuvres. And I mean, we're looking at pictures of cookies and cupcakes and then little bits of meats and some cheeses and some olives and then, of course, uh, there's a lot of, you know, complimentary beers, wine, and even some non-alcoholic beverages, of course, you can get. And then about 11 o'clock, there's going to be a reserved viewing area for you to watch the Once Upon a Christmas Time Parade as it comes right down Main Street, USA. And, of course, that's going to be Dancing Gingerbread Men and Marching Toy Soldiers, Disney characters and the holiday stuff. And, I mean, they have the little ballerina and, and Belle and the Beast are dancing. And they play music from the musical Scrooge called Sing a Christmas Carol. If you're not familiar with this song, this song, go look it up and also find the movie Scrooge with Albert Finney. It is fantastic. And listen to our year. episode from last last year about it as well. Yes, yes. Uh, this though, this there's a complete town square party available for ninety nine dollars per person plus tax, and that happens of course in the Magic Kingdom Park. And admission to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party is of course required to attend this. So. 
There's actually an extra early booking window on October 29th for DVC members, but the rest of us, you can start booking on October 30th and just go through your regular methods, of course, to, to book it on there. There's a phone number I could say, but you're not going to be able to wait to write it down. So uh, just wait, look wait, it wait. up. Is it, th- this is something Christmas going on, you know, you, you can get involved with as early as Halloween. Is that what you're saying? Yes. On the, the day right before you could really have a, a nightmare before Christmas. So it'll be Christmas time. Christmas well, time. <laughs> pay, pay, pay for your Christmas time event. Yeah, pay Just for it. Halloween. <laughs> There's some fun things going on over there. On, well, I would say your neck of the woods, but you you don't have your annual pass over there anymore. No, I don't. But still, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump away for me to to visit the Disneyland Resort. And you know, they have just uh, celebrated the reopening of the World of Disney in the downtown Disney district there. Now, of course, uh, you've got the World of Disney on both coasts has been undergoing renovations in, in their stores and. Uh, what they've done is uh, just recently they had a grand reopening for the World of Disney at the downtown Disney district at Disneyland Resort, uh, in which there were a few famous Mouseketeers around. Yay! Sharon Baird, Bobby Burgess, Tommy Cole, Cubby O'Brien, and Sherry Van Meter were all on hand to celebrate. Now, the reason that they were there is that uh, there's a new Mickey Mouse Club-inspired collection available at both World of Disney stores in Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Mickey Mouse is featured in the classic yet modern collection of fashionable apparel and mouse-themed accessories. Now, Sherry Van Meter said that it's an honor to be part of this wonderful opening. It's exciting. It's so nice to see so many fans, people that the Mickey Mouse Club meant so much to. I think the Mickey Mouse Club collection is terrific and beautiful, and everything is in such good taste and such good quality. I love it. Of course, this is also a great time to go back and revisit the Mickey Mouse Club because just coming up in a couple more weeks, we've got Mickey's 90th birthday coming up as well. Yes, and we have big plans to actually celebrate some of our favorite Mickey cartoons next month, which we haven't coordinated yet, but we need to get coordinated. But that's the plan for next month, along with a lot of... Yes, we certainly do. I've got a lot of guests planned up. I've planned with, at least. We haven't recorded yet with some people for next month, but we're going to have a lot of fun. And definitely, you and I, we're going to pick out some of our favorite Mickey Mouse cartoons and talk about them because it's oh, 90 years of Mickey. But I got to say, oh, looking, yeah. looking at this photo here, I they have mouse ears that have the Mouseketeer logo on it. I got to get me some. Mm-hmm. I want yeah, some. I hope they're available in, this, in the like the app store or something. I hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have to look in, it up. In the Disney Parks app? Or mm-hmm. Shop Disney Parks app? Yeah, so uh, that's that's definitely on my list of things that I, I would have to get from there. Because, oh my gosh, that looks awesome. That it does. Mm-hmm. But something else going on over on that side of the world is, of course, we know Bugsland has closed, making way for a new Marvel-themed area. Uh, well, and as the sign says, Stark Technologies is uh, right. at work there. Yes, well, there was some information, I guess, and they're saying, uh, I did even find on YouTube that WDWNT, also known as WW News Today, said something was kind of passed onto their desk, and they're usually pretty accurate 
accurate with some of the information that they put up there, but they have a little bit of information on some of the Phase 1 items that are going to be popping up over there. Uh, so as you for used to enter at the Bountiful Valley Farm, there's going to be a marquee, and you walk down a long passage between Mater's Junkyard Jamboree and Cars Land and in the Tufts to be a Bug Theater. Uh, and it's being the theater is being repurposed for a new Spider-Man attraction where you're going to be given a web shooter to use. And mm -hmm. this is it's mm -hmm. basically a screen based, like a 3D type of thing. Uh, and so it, it, they said, it might be, if you think about Story Story Mania, but of course you're going to be shooting webs instead of your darts, balls, and rings. And uh, I, I'm excited. I mean, seriously. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, I get to be a Spider Man. And just, oh, <laughs> I, they open this thing and yeah. I will be there, man. I'll be like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know. To me, it seems kind of like a combination of the Spider Man ride in Orlando the Ratatouille ride in Paris mm -hmm. and Buzz Lightyear's uh, uh, Space Rangers. Yes. Or Astro Blasters, rather. You know, where, you know, you've got this whole interactive uh, opportunity to, you know, shoot and who knows, maybe they can change the story around as needed. Especially and, if there's a lot of it's projection-based and, uh, you know, just swapping out different elements. And considering some of the, you know, if, if they if they have it all as a screen or, you know, you might be writing completely through it, uh, you know, that's still up in the air. You know, they can repurpose that area in a lot of ways. I mean, that could be a screen. You get to interact with the screen or you could be moving through. But I was thinking, you know, with that 4D environment that they used to have, uh, even as a theater, it'd be fun to have things interact with you as you're just sitting in an audience and playing along. But something that rides through and has different screens for you to interact with would also be whole bunch of fun, a whole bunch of fun. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited mm -hmm. for this. Uh, we also, though, there's there's like a central hub, though, inside of the area that's going to be a large Avenger symbol. It's a symbol. It's a symbol. Oh, yeah, it's almost the same <laughs> word. Uh, and it's, it's, they said that you might compare it to something of the Avengers California campus. So it's going to look like that, that white building we've seen. I think mm -hmm. in the films, I think that's supposed to be the California, uh, the West Coast Avengers. Uh, the other thing is kind of funny is the Spider-Man Q is actually attached to what used to be the Tissue Bach restroom in Bugsland. So I wonder if there's going to be mm -hmm. a, like a Spider-Man bathroom <laughs> or something. <laughs> Sounds kind of fun. <laughs> go to the go to the bathroom and uh, maybe it'll talk to you. I don't know. <laughs> well, watch they, out for water Harry spouts Potter. at least. Say, watch out for what now? Watch out for water spouts. Uh, yeah, the Hydro Man may suddenly come out of the toilet. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm more thinking just Incy Wincy spiders and water spouts. <laughs> yeah, we could go in some really uh, toilet humor directions here <laughs> if we're not careful. <laughs> See, but, uh, I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell you this, I certainly this. am ready. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm ready to suit up for it. Oh, yes. But uh, this is what they're, what they're kind of guessing about is... Mm -hmm. There's supposed to be some sort of Doctor Strange show, and they know there, or at least an experience. And mm -hmm. on the cruise line, there has been a Doctor Strange show where he gets kids up and teaches you, I guess, maybe some magic tricks. Yeah. And they're thinking it might be something similar to that. And of course, a they of course you got to have food, right? So there's a counter service restaurant, and there actually seems to be plans for a microbrewery where you're going to find Ant-Man, or at least something related to Ant-Man, because if it's micro, micro. it's going to be Ant-Man. Well, you know, as long as it's uh, Ant-Man and not the Punisher. Yeah. Well, he only <laughs> punishes the guilty, so as long as you haven't done well, anything bad or broken a park rule. Well, no, I say that because the Punisher has a uh, 
uh, a buddy by the name of Micro. That's right. Indeed he does. <laughs> that would actually be kind of cool for a shop. You get like a lot of cool little technology things you could buy or something, you know. So, but yeah, there's there's a lot of things coming. There there's a few guesses about Phase Two. There's thoughts that they're because they've noticed in one of the posters there's a picture of like a Quinjet flying around. So they're wondering if Phase mm-hmm. Two maybe there'll be some sort of a like a roller coaster that's connected with the idea of flying in a Quinjet. We don't oh, know maybe. that for certain. That's 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 them kind of guessing. Just how cool would that be? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so do your kids have an elf that keeps spying on them on the shelf by any chance? Uh, I'm afraid not, although uh, we've been interested in getting a Stitch, and we can't think of anything to rhyme with Stitch. Mitch? Witch? Uh, Mitch? Stitch in a ditch. <laughs> Stitch in a ditch. <laughs> well, there apparently is a Disney answer to the elf on the shelf, and it is... And I kind of want to get this just because I like Stitch, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's this little plush stitch, and he's got a little, like, kind of a goofy Hawaiian-looking Santa hat, and you can flip mm-hmm. his ball around from naughty to nice. Uh, <laughs> and it comes with a little book about Stitch getting into mischief. It's Holiday Mischief and Mischief with Stitch. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is available at the Disney Store. It's $29.95, even at ShopDisney.com. And they've actually announced that they're going to do a live-action, of course, version of... Uh, Apparently, now they mentioned this on this on WDW today. I was almost thinking they were talking about a Lilo and Stitch, which I think I have heard something about Lilo and Stitch trying to get a live action treatment, which mm-hmm. I still don't know if that's that, that great of an idea personally, but okay. Because that movie has such a unique style to the characters that, it's, you know, it's going to lose some of the charm, I'm afraid, if you live yeah, action that yeah. thing. So, and, but that's, yeah. that's, that's for another day, I suppose. Yeah. But I see I accidentally skipped something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've actually got a... Uh, oh, there is a new movie coming out here in a couple of weeks. Gee, I haven't heard. <laughs> well, you know, hopefully it doesn't wreck things for you. Yeah, I mean, it'd be terrible if it broke the internet. <laughs> no, wrecked it. <laughs> wrecked it? Darn near killed it. Ah. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yep. <laughs> No, but yes, the uh, soundtrack for Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet, uh, is actually going to be released on November 16th. Uh, it's going to have a couple of original songs, a place called... Really? A place called Slaughter Race. Yes, yes, yes. A place called Slaughter Race, which was performed by Sarah Silverman and Gal Gadot. Zero, written by and performed by Imagine Dragons. Uh, and the score is going to be uh, by... Henry Jackman, who did the first Wreck-It Ralph, who also mm-hmm. has done Captain America Civil War and Big Hero 6. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's also going to be a uh, song by the name of In This Place. Um, and then a pop version of A Place Called Slaughter Race performed by Julia Michaels. That's not a name that comes to my mind, but uh, seems like they're really hyping up The Place Called Slaughter Race. Yeah, what I, I have heard that if you go... On YouTube, I think they have, uh, you can watch video in here, Zero by Imagine Dragons. I haven't checked it out yet, though. Mm. Well, apparently, A Place Called Slaughter Race is in the vein of classic I Want songs, such as Someday My Prince Will Come and Part of Your World, and it showcases Vanellope's desire to be part of the world outside of Sugar Rush. She wants to Mm. grow as a racer and as a person. Now, it also features the singing debut of Gal Gadot as Shank. Now, the music is written by Alan Menken, 
Mm-hmm. And alerts are from Phil Johnston and Grammy producer winner, yeah, Grammy winning producer Tom McDougall, uh, who uh, also worked on Frozen. Now, of course, Imagine Dragons, they're a multi-platinum grabbing winning band. Um, their song Zero embraces the struggle that Ralph has with his evolving friendship with Vanellope. According to Dan Reynolds, the lead singer for Imagine Dragons, the film's emotional themes are reflected in a song. It's a pretty timely movie in a lot of ways that it addresses some of the issues of identity and loneliness unique to this internet generation. Ralph's internal struggle for self-acceptance really resonated with us, and his song speaks to that. Zero is also featured on the band's upcoming fourth studio album, Origins, which is available November 9th. Yeah, uh, Henry. I, with, with, with Alan Mackin involved, I wondered if they're going slightly a bit more of almost a musical style of animated film mm-hmm. that Disney's kind of, which would be a, a change from the previous. Although it could also just mean that they have a couple of songs in there. Because, uh, I mean, the Wreck-It Ralph soundtrack even had uh, a Fixic Felix song. Uh, the fix it, Felix, Felix, you know, fix, yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, so you had some songs like that that kind of fit in his, in his sort of background. Uh, but, I mean, this we are flat out told that Gal Gadot and Sarah Silverman are performing this song. And it's like an I Want song. So I, it just makes me wonder. I mean, in the film, and I don't see it mentioned here, but maybe in the film, what if uh, we're going to see John C. Riley or hear him do a singing debut? Well, I guess it wouldn't be a singing debut because I think he did a movie that was like a parody of the, the Johnny Cash movie, though. Yeah, Dewey Hawk's The Walk Hard Story, I think is what it was called. Yeah, I didn't see it. Uh, so, but <laughs> I wonder if you know, Ralph Hat is going to sing that song, you know? Mm-hmm. And this, this might be inspired by the fact that they meet all these Disney princesses. Wouldn't that just weird? Like, it'd be funny if that's where the musical stuff starts is when they meet the Disney princesses. And maybe even the princesses be, with, have a song. <laughs> but with the title of A Place Like Slaughter Place, <laughs> I can't help but think that there might be some uh, subversive takes on the I Want song here. <laughs> well, I think it has to do with that uh, because what we've seen in that last trailer, uh, we got to find out, or, or at least some footage I've seen, because we know that Sugar Rush gets broken because the steering wheel gets broken in half. Uh, right. I've, I've seen a bit of footage where it's Vanellope resisting what the player wants to do. Vanellope kind of wants to go off-road, and the player's trying to keep her on the track. And the struggle between the player and what Vanellope's trying to do breaks the steering wheel. And we've seen mm-hmm. in trailers where Vanellope really takes to this other racing game that's kind of dark and grim, which I figure is Slaughter Race. And mm-hmm. she wants to maybe branch out and do something like that instead of coming back to Sugar Rush. That seems to be the case. I wonder, you know, that I want song, if it's going to be that direction. But I Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're going to do similar things like because technically she's going turbo. So I wonder if it'll be like, you know, Ralph has that moment of revelation of like, you know what? I'm bad, but that's not bad. So maybe she's she's like, I am a cutesy little anime racer, but that's okay. I can I can Mm -hmm. race on my sugar. And that's that's who I am. So I wonder if there's going to be that that sort of storyline with her. Which is possible. Mm-hmm. We get to find out pretty quick, though. It's come, I mean, oh, we're yeah. less than a month away. We are. We are. And, you know, I really like the... I, I really like Ralph... Uh, Wreck-It Ralph to, to begin with. Yeah. I'm excited to see where they're going to take this. You know, uh, I know there's a, you know some people who feel a few groans that... Uh, and I know you've mentioned this, that it you know kind of feels like uh, uh, the Emoji Movie Redux. <laughs> yeah. But 
you know, it is going to be interesting to see how Disney considers its uh, online presence, you know, how it's going to be presented in this film. And, you know, certainly, you know, anything that at least is going to have Kermit show up in it, you know, hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get, you know, some version of the Muppets to at least look at for a moment. <laughs> Maybe the Muppet Babies, because they're already computer animated. It seems to make sense. Uh, 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 I'd love to see Kermit and Fozzie and regular grown-up Muppets. That's true. That too. And I, <laughs> I have felt better since I've gotten to see now footage of the, uh, the story that it, it still seems to be that fun that we expect from a, excuse me, from a Ralph movie. So that has mm-hmm. helped me feel better. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and I hope I'm not at all disappointed because I adored that first one, especially all the fun references to old arcade games that I remembered. So they've mm-hmm. got a lot to live up to. Let's hope they yeah, can do that it. They do. That they do. One thing, though, it's not going to live up is uh, Boba Fett. Uh, we've been hearing that that Kathleen Kennedy says that that, that Boba Fett is not going to happen, uh, but instead they're going to focus on that Mandalorian series that's coming to Netflix. Well, I guess it's mainly coming to the Disney streaming service. Right, uh, right. The, the, what I find interesting is I originally got found that article through IGN. When I tried to pull up the site to uh, to have it ready for for some notes. I couldn't get that site to pop that article up. Mm. So I don't know what that means. I don't know what me. I don't know if that was them. Whoops, retracting that, or if it is definite that the Boba Fett movie is not happening. That's so. I'm a little up in the air about that. But it would make sense to me that they, you know, maybe focus more and do that Mandalorian series, and you wouldn't want to, you know, put out a Boba Fett movie at the same time. However, I right. would still like to see a Boba Fett movie. So I hope maybe at some point that we do still get it. It just, it sounds like we're not. Hmm. But I won't, I won't close up my mind off to the idea that it could happen completely. Cause well, we at, can hope. Yeah. Plus they're not saying that they've, uh, completely thrown out the opportunity for an Obi-Wan movie. Right. And you know, you, you could almost combine. Wouldn't that be interesting if Boba Fett, you know, is on Tatooine and runs into Obi Wan, and you have some oh, like, like Obi Wan and Boba Fett, so we're like like are working together for something, you know, on Tatooine, mm. you know, and and, and Obi Wan of course has to be kind of secretive because if people find out he's there, you know, he could lead the Empire straight to himself and cause more problems mm-hmm. for Luke. But oh, there's so much potential there. All right, Lucasfilm, make it happen. Oh, there we is. want Obi Wan <laughs> and Boba Fett together on Tatooine having an adventure. Okay. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You had to mull that in for a little bit. But uh, so uh, I'm still mulling that one. (laughs) Still mulling that one. You don't mull on to it too far because you might have been in retirement by the time you you think of an idea of that. How about I cat mull on it? Cat mull on it? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's the trans. The trans. Ed Catmull. Oh, okay. Ed Catmull. Who? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not. A, it's not the name that's really one of those household names that you think of. But he's pretty important. Guy. Well, he was. Well, he still is. Still is. Um, he's had a five-decade career. However, uh, he is going to be retiring at the end of this year. Now, he acts as president of both Walt Disney and Pixar Animation Studios. Uh, And it was announced on Tuesday that he is going to be stepping down and stay on as an advisor through July 2019 before formally retiring. Now, he did... Oh. 
sounded like you were going to say something. No, I was just breathing. <laughs> ah. I, I, I have this say- habit. I just keep breathing all the time. It's sort of like my addiction to food. You know, I have to eat at least three times a day or I just die. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to drink water constantly. It's it's such an annoying tank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should probably drink more water. I'm here drinking uh, some Diet A&W, and I think that's why I was burping in the show. <laughs> ah, well, that'll do it. That'll do it. This but is turning, why you all listen to the show for these conversations right here. <laughs> but turning back to to our cat mulling, um, <laughs> yeah, he did say that never in my wildest imagination could I have conceived of the path or the extraordinary people I have worked with in over all of these years. The twists and turns, the ups and downs, along with exhilarating passion, talent, and dedication that have led to something extraordinary, something that has an enduring impact in the world. He earned a doctorate in computer technology from the University of Utah, was hired by George Lucas in 1979 to lead Lucasfilm's computer division before he went on to co-found Pixar with Jaws and Lasseter in 1986. Wow. And in 1985, of course, Pixar released Toy Story, the first computer animated hit, which is the first of 20 Pixar features which have collectively won 15 Academy Awards and earned more than $13 billion at the worldwide box office. 20 Pixar movies. Yeah. Can you believe that? Really? That many? Wow. And we've got just about 20 uh, Marvel movies by now as well. Yeah, because we get pretty much like two a year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 20 movies. And of course, Pixar wasn't always part of Disney. It was only uh, in 2006 that they acquired the studio for $7.4 billion. And it was at that time that Catmull was named president of both Walt Disney Animation Studios and Pixar Animation Studios, overseeing the business side of the operations, while Lasseter oversaw the films uh, as a chief creative officer until he's stepping down this past summer. Now, in announcing his own retirement, Capmole continued from the request of George Lucas to bring the technology to the film industry, to the vision of Steve Jobs and the extraordinary freedom provided by Bob Iger, Alan Horn, and Alan Bergman, we continue to dream of stories and ways of making those stories that always surprise. I have the mixed emotions that come with stepping away from a group of people I love, but also with the utmost pride and pleasure that we now have at both Pixar and Disney Animation, the most dedicated and imaginative leaders I have worked with. Now, there's no successor that's been named. Uh, However, uh, Disney Animation Studios president Andrew Milstein will continue to oversee operations at the animation studios and Jim Morris will oversee uh, operations at Pixar. And it's probably important to say that we do get that from the Hollywood Reporter because we've definitely quoted enough there that there's yeah. things he said to Hollywood Reporter. We don't want them to come after us. Yes, no, we don't. Hollywood Reporter. It's very important that we mention that sort of thing. <laughs> by the way, this came from the Hollywood Reporter. Right, yes. <laughs> so, As reported by the Hollywood Reporter. The more things that I've learned, it's always important. When, when you got that much of a quote, you better tell where you got it from. <laughs> oh, yes. Which, speaking of, uh, this this story came from multiple sources. I mean, this was everywhere. Everybody has been talking about this. And I first saw it actually superhero hype where they said that the Deadpool screenwriters, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, were actually about to, uh, I'm going to put in quote fingers, reboot the Pirates of the Caribbean film series. Because mm-hmm. really, I... With this, it's more like a franchise series that's just going along, and it's not necessarily a reboot to me. It's just a, a sixth movie. The only thing right. that really makes this different is Johnny Depp is not coming back as Captain Jack Sparrow, uh, which because they've done enough with the old Captain Jack Sparrow, it's time for him to move on. 
Johnny Depp's got a few personal problems that some people are upset about that I'm not going to get into here. Uh, let's just say mm-hmm. that he's has been accused of doing some pretty bad things that I hope he didn't do because it's really awful to do what he said that said that he did. And if he did it, he probably mm-hmm. should be prosecuted for it. Uh, and so, I, but I don't know where that's going. It's somebody, you know, it was stated, I guess, in an interview or in a book or on a blog, but no one has filed charges. Uh, I guess we're going to have to go through and say it, but yeah, he's got a, like an ex-wife that says that he hit her, which you should never do. Right. And if you did, Johnny Depp, you need to be punished for it. So Exactly. And so I'm pretty sure that she if she should be able to file some charges, but I haven't heard anything of charges. And this has been this has been years ago that this has come out. So I don't know. It's like, okay, if he's guilty of it, then don't gun it, get him prosecuted. So as it is, the Warner Brothers has no problems with hiring people that Disney fires, as we've seen with James Gunn. So <laughs> he's, he's still playing uh, Galette Grindelwald, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm still, even d- despite, I, I hope he didn't do anything, but despite him being in there, I'm still planning to go see Fantastic Beasts 2, because, uh, I, because I got to, because it's, it's Fantastic Beasts 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my well, excuse. Warner Brothers certainly is uh, looking over at Disney and making some changes of their own. You know yeah. that uh, you know with Episode Nine coming out uh, the next winter, uh, there's going to be there's actually been a little bit of a shakeup with some of the releases around that time. And it was announced this week that uh, Wonder Woman uh, 1984 mm-hmm. is going to be pushed back and released in 2020, where it had previously been coming out uh, next winter. Yeah, the, I was seeing in Forbes that they're saying this is going to be a real victory for Star Wars Episode Nine. That it, it's not going to have as much stuff pulling the audience away from them. So, but I was like, oh yeah, you know, big story. Star Wars is going to make money when they put a movie out because mm-hmm. shock, you know, it's Star Wars. Despite yeah. some people being kind of upset with the franchise, it's still going to make a lot of money. Or Russian bots, who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or Russian bots. Yeah, okay. <laughs> still not buying into that one. Yeah, but uh, it's <laughs> going to be another issue. Oh yeah, <laughs> completely different. But did you hear what it's taking the place of in 2020? Well, I heard something about a six billion dollar man movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which I I'd like to see that too. If they if they're going ahead with that that like please do that'd be kind of awesome. Yeah, it would be. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see. But, you know, hopefully these additional seven months that they're given to Wonder Woman are, are certainly going to help uh, make it a, a much better movie. Because I know that the first Wonder Woman movie was really, for me, it was a great breath of fresh air compared to everything else that Warner Brothers had been doing with the DC <laughs> Universe. Yeah, which hopefully Aquaman is going to be a breath of fresh air because that looks so cool. <laughs> at, at least I hope it's a lot of fun. Yes. And it should be. The one part that weirds me out about Wonder Woman 1984 is that it's almost a reimagining of the Wonder Woman that we've seen. So we almost get, I guess we're not going to quite get a full origin story, but they found a way to bring back Chris Pine uh, mm-hmm. as if it's the first meeting with that character. And it seems like they're drawing inspiration from the uh, um, Linda Carter series. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to get a completely kind of different Wonder Woman, almost an alternate reality Wonder Woman. Which right. You know what? I'm down with that. You know, that's okay. I'm still <laughs> excited because I love the first one. And thank you, Patty Jenkins, for making a great comic book movie. And thank you, Gal, for going for bringing Wonder Woman to the big screen and being awesome at it. Exactly. And coming over and doing a Disney film. We hope your character Shank is going to be awesome.
to Disney and beyond. Okay, so we have a very popular movie that we're going to talk about this week. And I'm, I'm excited because this is, you know, this is a great movie. I mean, this is one of those movies where it just kind of shows, you know, that when you break the rules, you can create some serious max destruction. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this movie, I mean, this is an inventor. Some guy, you know, he's really clever and he, he does all this science stuff. Uh, but in the end, because all the science stuff he does, he's, he just ends up giving monsters for Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think I may have seen this movie, you know, when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I mean, this is I mean, this is really the movie where you got a bunch of little monsters and Christmas getting mixed together. I mean, you know, everybody, every every Disney fan knows this movie, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 nothing like, you know, putting those two elements together. And, you know, it's like chocolate and peanut butter. You don't know that it goes together until you actually see it all together. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was a, a real nightmare before Christmas. It really was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, ever since, you know, from, from that moment that you see Jack rising up from the fountain what? and you've got everyone. Yeah. Well, we're we're talking about Nightmare Before Christmas. You just said we're talking about a Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. So, you I know, said of we're course, talking... we got Jack and Sally and what? You know, per, the Professor Finkelstein. And you've got, you know, the, this whole mashup and merge of two worlds, Christmas and Halloween combined. Uh, well, you're right? talking about Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, but I was just in generally saying, you know, there was this complete nightmare that happened before Christmas. I mean, Christmas Eve, well, these yeah. little green monsters running all over this little small town and destroying the whole thing. Wait. Yeah. You, you know, you gremlins? Gremlins. Exactly. So before Tim Burton went into a store... And realized that there was Halloween stuff and Christmas stuff in there and get us inspired for The Nightmare Before Christmas. Joe Dante directed a Chris Columbus written film. Yes, Chris Columbus, who later directed Harry Potter, Home Alone, that kind of thing. He actually had a little bunch of monsters running around a, a town at Christmas Eve and technically kind of mixed a Halloween thing with Christmas before Tim Burton did. So, uh-huh, uh-huh. Aren't I clever? That you are. <laughs> you are, but do not start breaking out into a story about how a horrible you had a horrible Arbor Day one year. <laughs> or, or uh, I remember President's Day. This the guy dressed as Abraham Lincoln. He came up and said, "Hey, little girl." Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the sequel. I I love the fact that the second movie pretty much makes fun of the first movie. Oh yes, but you've got to have a first movie to make fun of. Oh, yes. And I remember when this movie was coming out, The I, I didn't see the trailer in the theater. I had just seen the TV commercials, and they were so vague, they didn't show what anything looks like. It just said, oh, look, Steven Spielberg, Gremlins. That's it. So then one uh, morning, and this came out like June 10th in 1984. So, I mean, this is the same year of Ghostbusters. But uh, we went to a Hardee's. That's actually it, it, it's not here anymore, but it's really close to where I live now. Uh, there was this theater across the street that's now a Dollar General store or something or Family Dollar. Uh, it used to be a liquor store even, but uh, we went to this Hardee's and they had pictures of Gizmo on the walls or on the windows, you know, like they used to do the decals. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it was Gizmo was driving a little like Barbie car and everything. And oh, look, this this is what Gremlins is. Wow, this looks really cute. I don't know what this little green monster thing is over there, but oh, look at this cute thing. Gee, maybe we should go see it. And Hardy's <laughs> had little records that you could get every week, a different record telling the complete story. And my mom thought, well, how great. You guys can just go see that. So the theater that it was only a, a two screen theater that we used to have. Uh, and it's like right across the street from where I live now. Pete's dragon mm-hmm. was showing on one side and mm-hmm. I was like, Ooh, a Disney movie. So part of me was kind of like a Disney movie, but I was kind of excited about this little furry thing. So gremlins was showing on the other side. And so my brother and I went in to go watch gremlins. I don't know where mom and, and my sister were at. I have no idea. I just remember my brother and I going, and maybe they went to Pete's dragon. I don't know, but we went to go watch gremlins and thinking, Oh, it was all about these cute things. And then all of a sudden, the gremlins came out of their pods, and this turned into a horror movie for about uh, about 15, 20 minutes. And I even remember telling my brother, I think we should have went to Pete's Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was terrifying for a little bit when they first come out. Oh, yeah. And they're vicious. Ugh. Oh, and, and just the, the that entire sequence of you know gizmo having the water spilled on him and he's struggling and mm-hmm. uh, y- they're slimy as they come out and ugh. yeah pretty much it, it had some weird creep factor things going on already even with the cute, cute little creature and from that mm-hmm. point you just know it's going wrong because stripe already shows that he's he's a bad little mogwai oh yeah <laughs> So that's the thing that's kind of funny. If you really look at the two films, the the bad Mogwai are already pretty bad. They're just not strong and have have claws and teeth enough to really cause any serious damage that they need when they become a gremlin. But the personality doesn't seem to change. No, no, not at all. So I'd almost like to explore what happened if there's a freak accident and Gizmo becomes a gremlin because he would be like the friendly gremlin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we know that gremlins can certainly be goofy. They can be articulate. Uh, and uh, they can really enjoy a good Snow White and Seven Dwarves showing. Yes, and that is the excuse I'm using that we can talk about this movie, because there's a big segment of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. <laughs> that, that is one of the best things. It's all these horrible monsters that have wrecked the town and caused all kinds of mischief that, you know, after being so scared of them in that whole kitchen scene... They get to be really funny. <laughs> These horrible little pranksters that it's almost like uh, when you watch the uh, the Dark Knight and the Joker's trying to blow up that hospital and it's horrible what he's doing, but yet you're laughing at his antics. Mm-hmm. That's, that's gremlins. All their antics, they're really horrible what they're doing, but it's just funny the way they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so cartoony as well. Oh, yeah. Well, Chuck Jones even has a cameo. Mm-hmm. And they even call him Mr. Jones. I love that. <laughs> I don't even know exactly why he's in there other than this was a Warner Brothers release. So it's just kind of weird. Oh, look, Chuck Jones is here for some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they do have his type of humor. I love actually when they're in the Gremlins are on there watching Snow White, that one's sitting there singing along and then one Gremlin kind of crosses in front of him and the Gremlin kind of watches him go by. And then he goes back to singing and then you see the top of a mallet go walking by like a very cartoony, like he's going to go whop the other Gremlin with a mallet or something. And you even hear off screen, bonk, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, they're, they're like little angry cartoon characters. Oh yeah. But you know, you, 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 you did hit the nail on the head earlier though. There's some very creepy imagery in this movie. I mean, oh, yeah. not just with, you know, the transformation into gremlins, but you know, the thing that freaked me out the most about this movie was that final sequence, uh, taking Ooh. the place in the pool at the end of the movie. 
Yeah, the sprinkler fountains. system. Yeah. Yeah. And, yes. And and that very last image that you have of Stripe. Yeah, it's like the movie. Uh, it 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 starts out cute and happy, gets a little weird, turns into a horror movie, gets funny, and then when you get back down to Stripe, it turns into a horror movie again. Mm-hmm. So it's like the movie kind of keeps switching back and forth, and it is you know for a movie that came out in June, it is very Christmassy. Oh yes. I mean, the snow on the ground, and Corey Feldman's delivering your Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. So it is fun and joyful. But I love the fact that the humor, the the wacky humor, starts pretty early on. Even uh, I love that it's it's the dumbest joke, but it's funny when uh, Hoyt Axton, who plays the father, Hoyt Axton. I mean, oh, you, yeah. his his voice <laughs> is just classic, anyway. But he's there at like an inventor's convention. And you see behind him the old H.G. Wells time machine from the old movie is back there spinning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you cut away back to the mom on the phone, and it cuts back, and suddenly these two people, the time machine's missing. These two people are looking around for it, like, where'd it go? (laughs) And then the robot from Lost in Space is, like, taking orders about, you know, something in another phone booth. Exactly. (laughs) Like, no, I don't believe that is a, a synthetic oil and stuff like that. (laughs) <laughs> it's just it's absurd silly humor throughout the entire movie mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's not to love about this and it's 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 completely unexpected because like you don't know it's like is this movie scary yes is this movie funny yes is this movie Christmas Eve yes it's it's com- and, and really if the premise and that's one of the things that the sequel is kind of fun that they make fun of it because the premise is a little silly because you've got these three rules it's like okay so don't get it wet but okay, so it it can drink stuff because the gremlins even drink alcohol. But it, it can't be like pure ordinary water. I guess mm-hmm. no no water to drink or anything because that'll cause problem. Um, keep them out. Of, of course, it may, the only one that makes sense is the bright light and the sunlight. Because sunlight will kill them. That gives you a pretty good premise of how to kill gremlins. And then of course, so of course they'd be afraid of bright light because sunlight will kill them. That one makes sense. The water's a little weird. But then the really absurd is not feeding them after midnight. So I mean, yeah. how does this rule work? Because I mean, I at one point I thought, well, maybe it just means like the midnight hour between midnight and one. But we see in the movie the TV because I hope we're hoping people have seen this movie before because, you know, they're hoping they're keeping up with us. But, you know, Billy gives one of the the, well, whatever clone Mogwai to his teacher. And you see when the teacher feeds a baby Ruth to this other Mogwai, it's about four in the morning. Mm-hmm. When you look at the clock, and I, I, I checked it this time, it was like, so what time was that? And that's still enough to worry fit after midnight. So is I'm, I'm guessing at this point there's maybe a six hour period between midnight and six a.m. when the the sun's going to come back up. Maybe that that's the time frame. No food because it'll cause a weird uh, metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it, it's always going to be midnight somewhere. Exactly. And that's one of the things I thought was really funny in the uh, second one when he's trying to explain this whole thing. And the guy says, well, what if he's on a plane and he eats something about 1130, but he gets something stuck in his teeth and then he swallows it after midnight? Now, technically, he didn't eat that after midnight, you know, because what about when you cross time zones? What happens then? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and what about Rock and Ricky? You, know, you got a guy <laughs> there who's branding himself, branding his show, even as he's being attacked. <laughs> yeah, then uh, you you kind of wonder what the actual death toll is because you, it, it appears 
that uh, Marie Futterman, which Marie Futterman's the one that gives you the setup of, of Gremlins and his drunken ramblings and where he mm-hmm. won't buy foreign stuff, played by the great Dick Miller, Marie Futterman and his wife, uh, which I can't remember what her name was and the, or even the actress. She's got such a small part, but she's such just fun in both movies, really. But you think they got run over by the bulldozer. Because uh, the gremlins mm-hmm. come out and pull this boulder over and run it right through the house. And this is where the movie starts getting kind of wacky. And yeah. this is the first time we hear the gremlins rag by the great, oh, guess what? Jerry Goldsmith again. Here's another Disney connection. We even mentioned Jerry mm-hmm. Goldsmith doing the music for Poltergeist. But he also did the music for Mulan and Soarin' Over California. Oh, yeah. So see, Disney connected. This is how we cheat our way into this <laughs> stuff. But uh, So the great gremlins rag starts to play, which is this wacky kind of theme music. And but you see, as a, as the bulldozer approaches the Futtermans, it cuts back to the gremlin driving, which he's standing in the steering wheel and on top of the shoulders of another gremlin. It's kind of funny. But you see the, them kind of bounce like they went over something. So I mm-hmm. presume that they had run them over. But then, of course, they show up in the sequel, and I guess maybe the bounce was just them going through the wall, and the Futtermans got out of the way. I guess. So, but you know, we know Deagle, Mrs. Deagle, the evil. She's pretty much the equivalent of. Uh, Mr. Potter in uh, the It's a Wonderful Life. Every or, small town's got to mm, have that. Or, or um, oh no, I just blanked out on her name from uh, The Wizard of Oz. Oh yes, Eliza the Gulch. Yes, there you go. She is kind of like that. I hadn't thought of it, but yeah, yeah. Every small town's got to have that evil person. But uh, she's the only one we can really confirm a death, other than maybe the police who have that really bad car wreck. Because you know we see Ruby Diggle, and this is where it's kind of funny what they do to her, kind of cartoony, but you know they killed her. Um, but you you can't be sure of the death toll. Now, that's where I was coming at with this because of... Uh, oh, now, I lost that train of thought. I had this train of thought like 10 minutes ago of why it's hard to tell the death. Well, other than the fact that Futterman's come back. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, there's still enough people that kind of remember stuff. And we don't know how many people actually escaped the city. And it seems they're almost horribly prankish. And they're not not—they're lethal, but not necessarily always lethal. Um, and yeah, yeah, I had somewhere I was going with that. Other that, that's another thing I had noticed that yeah. you didn't know if they were actually dead or not. And now yeah, I, I, mean, I can't that, remember it. <laughs> th- thinking back, you know, I think the teacher, it's heavily implied that he's dead. Oh, yes. The teacher's definitely murdered. And it's almost like vengefully com- comedic, as you see, uh, he's taken this blood test on him as a mogwai. And that gremlin mm-hmm. uh, leaves a body with a, the, the, <laughs> the needle stuck in the guy's butt. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I guess they were supposed to meant that you know they were trying to be like haha in that kind of horribly funny yeah 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 isn't it ironic don't you think and yeah I really do think and but <laughs> it's even the weird humor and I, I think this is only included alright so Phoebe Cates plays Kate Berenger we've also mm-hmm. got um, uh, Zach Galligan playing Billy Peltzer who's our main character but but so Kate in order to make sure that she's not just a love interest and she has some personality, the only thing they could come up with is her father getting stuck in the chimney one Christmas Eve. And so now she hates Christmas because her father dies. That is what we get for her for having some depth. It is, But it's the, the most weird off the wall thing to suddenly include into this movie to have this conversation when they finally get a moment's peace, when they get into the bank as the uh, city's going through a uh, gremlin apocalypse Mm-hmm. Well, I, I always I find just, that weird. Well, I found it weird that you have a teenager working in a bar. Well, yeah, she's volunteering in a bar. <laughs> it's hard to figure out what the age is supposed to be because shouldn't they be in school? 
yeah. but they're going to work at a bank. So I always took it that he's maybe just, you know, graduated or they were the same age as Judge Reinhold's brief character. And he mentions mm-hmm. he's 23 and already uh, an executive at the bank. And so he's going places. And now what are you doing with your life? It almost yeah, makes true, me true, think true. that maybe they'd be closer to his age. That makes sense. But yet at the beginning, Hoyt Axton's character as the father says that he's looking for a gift for his teenage son. Yeah. So maybe they're 18, 19. They just graduated high school the spring before. But uh, but yeah, Kate is actually volunteering so that way this bar doesn't get closed down because Deagle is wanting to destroy it and everybody's mother proposed to their or everybody's father proposed mm-hmm. to their mother in mm-hmm. that bar. So she's volunteering her time after working at the bank. Which is basically just set up for one of the funniest scenes in there when you have all these gremlins hanging out at the bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, she's the one who uh, realizes, you know what? This gremlin is backing away from the matches I'm bringing it closer to him. She's the one that figures out how we're going to be able to take him out in that theater. Well, yeah, I think that was more Billy's idea, but it's nice that she oh, figures nice, it out. Because yeah. Billy already knows the rules of how these things work and what can kill them. But, yeah, it's cool that she figures out. Like, But the the one weird thing about that is, okay, so she tries to bring a match to light cigarettes that they got like five cigarettes in their mouth. Yeah, how they but get yet, the cigarettes. You saw at the beginning the of the time. scene, you, the, we've already seen some of them smoking cigarettes that were already lit. Mm-hmm. So it was like, wait a minute. How did that happen? It's gremlins. Continuity doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's cartoony. So. People get run over with a, uh, with a backhoe, and, you know, they come out, or with a snowplow, they come out good the other end. Yeah. <laughs> So you can't take it all that seriously, you know. We don't see it. We don't see everybody get killed. Although I do like the kind of apocalyptic scene when they come out of the bar and they're making a run from it out of the uh, out of the uh, the beetle that won't start anymore. Mm-hmm. And you see even in the the shadows in the windows of people getting attacked by gremlins and stuff like that. And it's it looks like uh, your average zombie apocalypse movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> except for it's gremlins. <laughs> Just completely wrecked the town. Well, at least we got to see... It's delightfully creepy. Well, and plus we got to see a really good use of household appliances. (laughs) Yes, in the uh, pretty grotesque scene that freaked me out as a kid. Now, do you remember the first time you saw it? Yeah, I I had to have been right around 10 when I saw it. Um, I I know we didn't see it in the movie theaters. It had to have been on home video. But, uh, yeah, like I said, it freaked me out, especially that, that final last sequence was striped that i refused to watch it for well over a decade wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so it was you know as a as, as a how oh, golly i think i was actually in college before i watched it again and even then it still creeped me out it's only been within the last few years that i've been able to sit down and really appreciate the campiness and the goofiness of both it and the sequel yeah and I think I've probably seen the sequel even more times because uh, I remember I, we didn't see the second one in theaters. I mean, the the first one we saw in the theater and then uh, we really loved it. And so we ended up going to the drive in uh, to see it again. And I think even a third time in theaters. I don't know. But that following Christmas, there was so much Gremlins merchandise out that uh, our Christmas we had uh, the little uh, little little uh, toys that you put them in water and they would grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I had a sleeping bag with gizmo on it. Uh, I had a little kind of plastic gizmo. I had uh, the furry gizmo that we shake it and he would squeak. Um, I had a lot, of, a lot of different Gremlins toys. I probably had more movie tie-in toys to Gremlins, excuse me, than I had anything else. I had all <laughs> kinds of Gremlins stuff. 
I think we had a, uh, a Gizmo Mogwai and stuffed plush. And I think that was about it. Oh, yeah. I had a bunch of stuff. And so that was the thing. But I, I only remember watching it those few times. We didn't get it on video. But then the second one, we didn't get out to theaters. But when it showed on HBO, we were all about it. And we about every time it came <laughs> on, we watched that second one. Even though I watch it now as I've gotten older, I realize it isn't a really a great movie. Oh, but the, by no the, means. <laughs> yeah. But the fun of it is that they kind of make fun of themselves. Mm-hmm. And it is still directed by Joe Dante. So And it's got yeah. Christopher Lee in it, so Yes. <laughs> there are things men are not meant to splice. <laughs> <laughs> so the second one is and, even more wacky. Well, you know, not only does it have Christopher Lee, it has Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best scenes there. You know, when I come to the theater, I want hot popcorn, cold drinks, and no little gremlins running around the projection booth. So you guys better show the rest of gremlins, too, before before I really get mad. Do you think the little green machines can stand up to the Hulkamania and all this? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I can almost quote it perfectly, but not quite. I'll have to look it up online. And if I do, you'll hear it right now. There we go. Yeah, if I happen to find that scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the second one, though, I think there was even more toys and there was a video oh, game. Yeah. And I don't know that it sold as well, though, because the movie wasn't as good. <laughs> oh, come on. You know, when, you know, with, with all those wonderful, not really 80s fashions. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one did come out in 1990. So I guess it was sort of the beginning of the 90s. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. The- some of the outfits. But you've also got uh, Julian Glover in it. Yes. Who later would be on Smallville. Mm-hmm. And Robert Picardo. Oh, yeah. He was in the second one, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Before he ended up on Star Trek as the computer. Uh-huh. Well, and, and I know he's been in other Joe Dante films like um, uh, Inner Space. Oh, yes. He right. He was the cowboy. Yeah. 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 I love Inner Space. <laughs> I haven't seen that one in a long time either. But, you know, what's also fun, though, is even when you get into the the voices of the gremlins, I mean, you've got uh, Howie Mandel was, has always played Gizmo. Mm-hmm. But Frank Welker, who he I mean, Frank Welker can do about any little creature, but he was mainly the voice of Stripe. But, mm-hmm. of course, he was just random gremlins, along with Fred Newman, Mark Dodson, Michael Winslow, known for the, uh, the Police Academy, Academy movies. movies. Yes. Yeah. But guess this. I hadn't realized this. Peter Cullen. I saw his name Optimus in the credits. Prime himself. He was Mogwai slash Gremlin's voice. Also, Bob Bergen. Uh, he's, I, he's credited as Bob Berger for some reason. And Michael Sheehan, which Michael Sheehan, I'm, I'm familiar with some other stuff. Then Bob Holt. Now, Bob Bergen, I think he's did some stuff later. I'm going to jump over real fast. Hmm. Uh, but I'm thinking, oh, he was actually born in St. Louis, Missouri in 1964. That's interesting. Well, there you go. But, uh, yeah, I think he's, you know, the new Looney Tunes, Robot Chicken, Despicable Me 3, the Emoji Movie, uh, Smurfs, The Lost Village, uh, I think uh, Secret Life of Pets. Let's see here. There's other mentions of being in Minions, the Looney Tunes, some other Star Wars things, Avengers Assembles. But he's actually been, he was also Lama Sue in Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, he was Porky Pig in the Looney Tunes show. Uh, I think he actually did a lot of voicing for Porky Pig throughout the years. Uh, that's why I was thinking I knew his name from. I think he's the one who also has passed away, didn't he? Or maybe not. Mm-hmm. I know somebody who did mm-hmm. a, who did, was a replacement voice uh, actually did pass away, but I'm not seeing 
for him. I just have a born date for Bob Bergen. But I know one of the uh, one of the voices for Looney Tunes who who came in later uh, has passed away. But I guess it's not him. But I guess he's still he's doing a lot of the work as Porky Pig when you go through his career. So, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of voices that you would know that were Gremlins. Huh. And I'm pretty yeah. sure Frank Welker, I, I, Frank Welker had to have come back for the sequel. I know Howie Mandel did because who, who else can get that perfect tone of voice for for Gizmo? Oh yeah. Which essentially is Bobby from Bobby's World. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to so, yeah. look at well, Michael Sheehan too. But go ahead. What you were about to say? Oh, oh I, you know it escaped me. Oh. Uh, well, I'm looking at Michael Sheehan because the name sounded familiar, and I do see that he was Rio in Gem. Oh, truly outrageous. Exactly. Oh, he was even in Short Tales for his oh. additional voices. Uh, also played Mortimer in the Spider-Man TV series of 1980s, right before Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So, yeah, he actually has mm-hmm. a lot of credits and everything. I thought of that his name seems familiar for something that I'd, I'd looked at. So that's what's great about this movie is you have all these great voice actors. You even have some great puppeteering. And I don't know if you've ever watched the commentary on the, the DVD. It looks like from the image you're showing, you have the same anniversary DVD that I've got, where it's got great commentary where they talk about the uh, making of the puppets and how they actually had like two of them because they would have one for, you know, distance shots so they could, you know, move around like a marionette a little bit and or work it around. Mm-hmm. And then they would have a close-up one where they have this giant gizmo head or whatever. And so they could do all those details and they can have gizmo give close-ups where he could blink and he could smile and do all these different things. So mm-hmm. he's, yeah, multiple a, more of a hero prop. Yeah. So it's really interesting. All the effort that goes into creating the, these practical effects to make you believe these little creatures uh, are running around. And some of the, some of the effects look a little, little bad they don't look as good compared to what we're used to today but they still hold up mm-hmm. I mean, the only effect that i think really looks wacky is where gizmo is crawling along the ground in the uh in the in the montgomery ward there towards the end and he's you know like yeah, going super fast yeah. Signs. yeah it looks a little silly but you just kind of go with it mm-hmm. and overall the effect even the gruesome effects kind of hold up you know uh even like what oh, you're yeah. talking about at the end with stripes uh skeleton leaping out of the uh the fountain then melting into the ground which is really disgusting mm-hmm. this movie is highly yeah, gross at times <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's now burned indelibly on our psyches oh yeah and we shall always think of it as the first great christmas nightmare type movie oh yes and, you know, this has got enough of a fan base that uh, when doing some research, I found a, a fan film called Gremlins Recall. Huh. And this is it's had a pretty good budget. The guy who made this, there's a couple of movies also called Gremlin that was uh, a, uh, a smash failure in the Philippines and also something called The Gremlin. But uh, this guy, Ryan Patrick, and if you just search for Ryan Patrick on YouTube, this is the only thing he's got up is this uh, fan film and also some commentary and like a behind the scenes. His, uh, his puppets don't look very good at all, hmm. but it is a fun little story. It's basically on the premise that, because uh, really if you take in the second film that everybody becomes a bit more aware of a Mogwai, uh, basically this company called wing has figured out a way to 
genetically modify a mogwai to where they don't have any of those restrictions for the bright lights or water or being fed after midnight. Mm -hmm. So this 11-minute story, basically, to kind of sum it up, you don't find out what his job is until this one girl who works in the diner thinks he's abusing mogwais in the back of his truck. But what it is is... He's a repo man for Mogwise when it turns out that the alterations didn't take and oh. there is a danger. And so she, of course, you know, gives them a chocolate shake, thinking she's being nice to the poor Mogwai being abused by this guy. But no, he was keeping the bat because these are the evil Mogwais that are trying to be gremlins. And so you have a small gremlins outbreak. And the fun thing about this fan film is, well, I'm you know what? I'm not going to tell you the ending of it. Let's just say that it almost doesn't end. Oh no. But it's worth a watch. It's it's kind of a fun little love letter to Gremlins. It's a bit I think a bit more violent than any Gremlins uh uh film actually was. Um so you know mm-hmm. it's it's more PG-13 at one point. But uh it was kind of a fun watch. Uh it's missing some of the humor I think that uh, the Gremlins films have, but it's kind of nice to see some people putting some effort into fan films for Gremlins. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there were rumors, uh, golly, how long ago was that, that there was uh, Gremlins 3. They were trying to try to find a way to bring Gremlins back into pop culture. And I would like to see it happen. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm still waiting for Goonies, too, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. They keep teasing us with that one. Oh, you know what would be perfect? Goonies versus Gremlins. Actually, that could work. They're both Christopher Columbus concepts, so. Yep. Let's just bring it together and have over on the goon docks a little gremlin outbreak. That would be awesome. <laughs> and what happened if Mouth met up with... Uh... No, no, no. It's just too frank. Oh, dude. I just realized how meta that is because really, yeah, Pete and Mouth are the same <laughs> actor. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. Yeah, and the only other weird thing I can say about this movie is this is the movie I knew Phoebe Cates from long before I realized she was also famous for another movie that I'm not going to say what she's famous for in that movie. Drop Dead Fred? Uh, sure, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll say that one. But, uh, yeah, I didn't even – I think I'd heard of this movie. But, uh, yeah, apparently she um, she was more popular than Daisy Duke at one point. Well, you know, she's got this imaginary friend named Fred that comes back after she's so grown up. And Wait, I don't think we are talking about the same movie, are we? Yeah, I don't even know what you just said because it kind of winced out. <laughs> ah. Well, I was just saying, you know, you know, with Drop Dead Fred, she has this childhood imaginary friend named Fred who shows up after not being there for so many years and... I, know, I just realized we could start talking about, you know, how a little girl has this imaginary friend and uh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> so, but yes, yeah, so that is Gremlins. And it's one of the ones that if you haven't watched with your family, it's definitely one that you could watch around Halloween or heck watch around Christmas, just like a certain other movie, The Nightmare Before Christmas, which you could watch in around Halloween, you could watch around Christmas, or be like me. I try to watch it in the middle because the majority of that story kind of takes place throughout November, I figure. Because really, we're at the end of Halloween at the beginning of the movie, and it's going to culminate That's on true. Christmas. So that movie kind of takes place in November all the way up until Christmas. So that's when I like to pull that one out and watch it. 
Uh, Anything I, you want to add? Here. <laughs> no, uh, again, uh, this is just a, it's a fun movie. It, it certainly is one of those that helped r- usher in uh, the PG-13 rating. Um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, then uh, I'm trying to. Yeah, I guess it was these two movies really that drive home that rating. But uh, it's 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 a lot. Of it's I was shocked. My daughter wanted it because she really enjoyed she it uh, a while ago. So hey, we've got it, and it. Yeah, actually, recently they've even re-released it on Blu-ray as a two-pack with uh, the first and second movies with a little Funko uh, Gizmo figure that you can get, which uh, uh, when I am not as broke as I am now, I intend to go and pick up. All right. Which, you know, the interesting thing is that when you look at Joe Dante's career, I mean, we're even looking at stuff like he's done the Piranha, the Howling, uh, mm-hmm. the Twilight Zone movie. Uh, he's known. He even did some amazing stories, but he's known for doing even even five episodes of Erie, Indiana. He does some creepy stuff, but a lot of creepy stuff that you could actually watch with the family, including Small Soldiers, which was in a way a tribute to Gremlins. Yeah, very so, much. I mean, so. you, you can look at it that way. Uh, but he's still out there making stuff. He's even working on the new Hawaii Five O. Mm-hmm. Although I guess it just got canceled twenty seventeen, didn't it? Well, looky there. But, yeah, there's lots of different things you can find him directing. But, yeah, this is definitely one of the ones I would kind of recommend, though, your kids maybe be. Let's see. I was, I guess I was been about seven years old, and I managed to handle it. I was a little freaked out, but I managed to handle it at seven. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe seven or older. Or even though at ten, though, you were a little freaked out, but you had fun with it, and although you didn't come back to it for ten years. But <laughs> you could probably sit and watch this with your kids. Just keep the lights oh, yeah. on. Because you got to keep the lights on because, you know, if your laundry machine goes suddenly on the free the blink or your freezer stops working, go and turn on all the lights. Check underneath all the beds because you never know. There just might be a gremlin in your house. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander. Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. 
Maryland Podcast. We love you. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.